0: Good morning everyone. It's, um, it's good to be together again. Great to worship here on a Sunday morning. Again, want to reiterate the welcome that Ben and Flora gave. If you are new here this morning, it's wonderful to have you with us. Please do stick around, uh, enjoy some tea and coffee, have a chat to uh, any of us here. And church, let's be looking out for those who are new let's be uh, making sure that we give uh, a wonderful warm welcome here this morning as we've been welcomed in so there we go am i still feeling back <laughs> i have a ring extra ring to my voice this morning so we are continuing this morning in our series looking at uh, the the farewell discourse as uh, Bible commentators call it. It's this period when Jesus is the, the, the night before was well, the night that Jesus betrayed. It's the night before he goes to the cross, and he um, is with his disciples in the upper room. And Phil and Mikey have kicked us off in the series over the last couple of uh, weeks, and we're at the point now where Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. And uh, and now he has told them a little bit about what is going to happen. And they are in a state of shock. Imagine just a little bit before that, the trajectory. They've been with Jesus for three years. Um, Just on the previous Sunday, they've had this entry into Jerusalem. Jesus coming on a donkey. It looks like he's going to be crowned king. All the prophecies of the Messiah they expect to work out with Jesus becoming king and kicking out the Romans. And then after he's washed their feet, he's broken this news to them. He has said to them, as we heard last week, he's told them that Judas, well, he hasn't told them who it is, but he's told them that one of them is going to betray him, it's Judas. And then he says, I'm going away with, I'm I'm going to be with you a little while longer. And then he talks about Peter, who is also going to deny Jesus. They've gone from this incredible journey of excitement, of the kingdom coming, of them walking alongside Jesus, maybe sitting on some sort of thrones with him, ruling over Israel. And suddenly Jesus completely changes the narrative. And so here we find them at the start of chapter 14. And Jesus says this. Just wondering, is it, should I change the microphone? Is it a bit boomy? It's all right? Okay, good. The words of Jesus. I'm not going to put them at all. If we can take them off the screen, actually, Phil, that's all right. Because I want us to maybe shut your eyes. Um, It's very easy as we read um, to just kind of take in words. But I want to close your eyes and just hear the story and try and hear it, as it were, for the first time. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me, says Jesus. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you'd really known me, you'd know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. But my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the works you've seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The disciples are deeply anxious. Jesus has told them that he's about to leave them. So there's this deep fear of loss. If you imagine the disciples, they've spent the last three years following Jesus. They've been fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. And Jesus said, come follow me. And they've they have lived and breathed Jesus. When people followed a rabbi, they, they lived in close proximity to him. They were with him all the time because they wanted to not just understand what he was teaching, but how he lived and followed his example. They've given up their livelihoods. They've sown the entirety of their young lives into this, this project, this thing called the kingdom that Jesus has been talking about. They've committed everything. Their whole world is wrapped up in following and walking with Jesus. And they expected Jesus to be around. They thought that as they came into Jerusalem, it was just the beginning of Jesus' long earthly reign. And yet suddenly here they are. And Jesus says he's going away. Suddenly, their future, the idea they had of what their future would be is absolutely shattered. They're fearful of loss. But they're also full of doubt and fearful of failure. So Jesus has just said that Peter, Peter, who's called the rock, the, the, the one who is the bravest and most courageous and the most outspoken of them all, the one who doesn't really care what people think and just says it and does it. Peter, Jesus said, is going to deny him. What hope is there for the rest of them? And then there's been this talk of the kingdom. Jesus has been teaching them and preparing them. that There's this, this task for them to fulfill as they continue into the future. And suddenly this realization that Jesus isn't going to be with them. They're going to be commissioned without Jesus present. They've been out the 12 and the 72 and they've seen incredible things happening when Jesus has sent them out. But suddenly Jesus isn't going to be there. They're overwhelmed by what's ahead of them. And in the middle of that distress, that, that bombshell that's coming and just taken their feet from under them, Jesus says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I wonder, have you ever had troubled hearts? Maybe you have a troubled heart as you sit here this morning. You know, here in the West, there has been, we have uh, an, an epidemic of Troubled hearts. We live with the greatest prosperity we've probably ever known, even with the cost of living crisis. We are safer than we have ever been before here in the West, certainly day to day. And yet we're more anxious than ever. So the statistics um, uh, suggest or tell us. That back in the period of 2012 to 2015, people were asked uh, a survey has taken place, group people uh, about people experiencing high levels of anxiety. This is just occasional anxiety, it's just moderate. is isn't just moderate anxiety. This is high levels of anxiety. And in the period 2012, 2015, 21.8 percent of women it's a fifth, one in five and 18.3 percent of men reported high levels of anxiety. In the period of 2022-2023, that had risen to 37.1% of women and 29.9% of men experiencing high levels of anxiety. That's a 70% increase in women and a 63% increase in men over the last 10 years. So if you are here this morning as a follower of Jesus and you have a troubled heart, you're not alone. You're not alone in terms of there will be other people in this room. He will also be in the same place. But you're not alone because the disciples were deeply troubled. Jesus himself was deeply troubled. Just in the last chapter we at, chapter 13, verse 21, just before Jesus tells the disciples that Judas is going to betray them, it says Jesus was deeply troubled. And then later on that night, we read in Mark, as, as Jesus leaves the upper room and goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, Mark tells us these words. These are the words of Jesus. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. If you're here with a troubled heart, feeling anxious or worried, I just want to say as we start this morning, Jesus understands. He's been there himself. He's walked through it, knowing that he has the cross to come the next day. And he's walked with his closest friends through it. He's walked with them. He's journeyed with them. Even when he was going through it himself, Jesus says, don't be troubled, despite the fact that we know he is deeply troubled. In his anguish, despite his anguish, his greatest concern is still for his friends. It's them he's concerned for. It's them he wants to speak hope into, even though he is going to endure the cross the next day. Jesus understands, but he also wants to lead us into freedom. He doesn't want to leave us there in that place. Jesus tells his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. But he goes on in the very next sentence to say, trust in God and trust also in me. The antidote to troubled hearts is trust. Trust in Jesus. Trust in God who is trustworthy. Jesus has said that to them several times before. He's done it when he's teaching about provision. He said, you know, don't worry about the, the, the the, the birds of the field are fed and the lilies of the field are made beautiful. Don't worry about clothes and what you'll receive and what you'll wear and what you'll eat. Don't have a little faith, trust. He stepped in and he calmed the storm and he's asked them to have faith, trust, believe he is trustworthy. So I as a child used to, as many of us did, most of us did probably, my dad had a car, that's no surprise. And I used to travel with him regularly. My dad tended to do the driving rather than my mum. That tells you quite a lot about my dad rather than about my mum but as I drove and as a passenger with my dad in the car I felt completely relaxed my dad was generally a good driver He used to drive like a rally driver down the Devon country lanes which I used to quite enjoy quite exciting I think my mum was quite terrified but I enjoyed it um, but I trusted him I would be very relaxed I could have a chat and listen to radio I could look out the window now um, about a year and a half ago uh, Emily wanted to learn to drive. And me, being a flying instructor, thought, how hard can it be to teach someone to drive a car? I can teach people to fly planes. So I thought, we don't need to worry about all of this expense on expensive driving instructors and all this money. So I'm going to teach Emily to drive. So we went out in the evening, found some quiet roads around Chilworth. I don't know if that's a good idea, because there's very expensive cars around Chilworth. could have been far more expensive than anywhere else. But I went out to Chilworth. I drove there. We swapped seats. Emily gets in the right hand seat, in the driving seat. I'm in the left. And suddenly I have to think, hang on, how do you drive a car? Because you do it so naturally, don't you? So I'm trying to think it all through. And we managed to get going. She was doing okay. Uh, we're starting to drive off, a little bit clunky, a few stalls, but she's, she's doing okay. But I am on edge. I'm anxious. I am, I am absolutely focused. There is no way or no sense in any part of my body that I am relaxed and enjoying the journey. We did it twice. And after the second one, I decided that the only way this was going to work was if we paid money for some driving lessons. <laughs> and I would take her out after she had a number of lessons. Now, that is nothing to do with Emily's ability. It's due to my ability as a dad, an instructor. But what was the difference between me sitting in my dad's car as a passenger, happy to look out the window, go to sleep, have a chat, whatever, and me sitting absolutely on edge as Emily's driving along? The difference was trust. I trusted in my dad's driving skill. I trusted in his experience. I didn't. Quite rightly so. Trust in Emily's driving skill or drive Emily's driving experience. Why would I? Why should I? She'd never done it before. Now, she drives well, and I feel very comfortable and relaxed when she drives. The difference was trust. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. But simply saying, trust me, doesn't suddenly create trust, does it? So if Emily, as she'd driven off and bumped and stalled a little bit, as we all do when we first started, said, Dad, trust me, that didn't mean, ah, fine, okay, I'm going to actually put my AirPods in, have a little, listen, have a snooze and go to sleep. It doesn't work like that, does it? We need to develop trust and grow in trust. And Jesus doesn't ask us for blind trust. But he goes on in the remainder of this passage to show us why we can trust him, and to show us how we can trust him. First, he demonstrated that him going away wouldn't be the unmitigated disaster that his disciples thought it was going to be. But actually, by him going away, by him enduring the cross, it would secure their future destiny and bring them remarkable blessings. I wonder, have you ever feared something? that was about to happen, or a change that was going to take place, only to discover that because of that thing taking place, it opened up a whole world of blessing and opportunity that you just didn't expect to be there. Maybe it was a redundancy, and all the fear and uncertainty of losing a job and all that comes with that. But coming out the other side and whether you found another job that was even better or you just enjoyed a fresh freedom in life. Maybe it was a forced to move house for whatever circumstances and a house you love, but you move somewhere else and suddenly realize, actually, this is even better. There's a whole lot of blessing here. Maybe it was leaving home to go to university or to go to another town and all the fear and uncertainty that comes with that and then discovering you found a whole load of new friends and a new life and you can walk on your own own and and enjoy the blessing and the goodness of that. Or maybe it's not getting the job that you longed for. I longed to be a fighter pilot. It's all I ever wanted to be. I couldn't because my eyesight wasn't good enough. And I ended up on a completely different path. And I can tell you, I am so grateful for the job that I have now. It's so much more fulfilling than I think ever being a full-time pilot would have been for me. Paul tells us this in Romans 8. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. We can trust him. And Jesus then shows them why he must go away. Why it's so important for them that he goes away and leaves them. Verse 2. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me wherever, uh, where I am. What Jesus is about to do, the very next day through the agony of the cross, and three days later, when He rises again from the dead, means that ultimately the disciples will be able to be with Jesus forever. That one day for them, everything. Will be okay. Everything, absolutely everything, their future will be secured. And if he doesn't walk through that, that does not become possible. He teaches them that they can trust him. They can trust him because their their destiny is secure. That they will be with him forever. That is what is going to happen in the end. But how will they reach that destination? They reach that destination, as do we, through him, through Jesus. Um, Thomas asks effectively, how do we know the way? We have no idea. Jesus answers this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to that promise of eternal life with him. Trusting in him is how we get there. In him, as we learn to trust him, we discover the truth. Not just a truth, not just our truth. The truth that it is at the foundation of the very universe. And through that truth, we discover life itself. Life in all its fullness, now and into eternity. Jesus said himself, In John chapter 8, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Trusting in Jesus leads us into truth which sets us free. Into a freedom that brings life. And with that freedom comes increasingly freedom from troubled hearts and anxiety. But like Philip, trusting can be really hard. These are the disciples who've been with Jesus, and Philip struggles with that. But Jesus says this to him. He says, believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. That's the trust me bit. But then he goes on to say, well, at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Jesus doesn't ask for blind faith. He doesn't just say, trust me, throw your minds away just believe. Actually, he says, look at all I've done and discover that I am faithful, that I am true, and that what I bring is good. So how do we discover who he is and what he's done? We start by reading scripture. We discover who he is, what his character's like, the powerful works he's done, the words that he brings that give life. We see the lives that have been totally transformed and turned around by who he is. Not just in the New Testament, we look right back to the Old Testament and see the journey and the faithfulness of God all the way through. We read scripture, we delve in, we go deep, and we pray. We learn To hear his voice and discover his heart and build relationship with him. In the knowledge and the truth of scripture. To come and spend time in his presence. To pour out our hearts and hear him speak back as we grow in trust. So I've recently, uh, a chick's uh, recommended a podcast to me. It's called Beamer or Beamer. I know a couple of guys here are also listening to it. And um, it's going through the entirety of the Bible very, very slowly. Um, I'm about 10 or 11 weeks in, I think we've got to Genesis chapter 17, something like that. So there's a long way to go. But uh, it's uh, it's a Christian who is of Jewish background, but has spent a lot of time learning from Jewish rabbis. And as I'm listening to it, it is so faith-building, because I'm discovering aspects of the book of Genesis and the journey of the creation and, and Noah and through to Abraham, that because I have a Western cultural lens, I just don't understand, I just don't get And it's revealing truths to me. And you know, each time something fresh is revealed to me, I am in even more awe and wonder at the goodness and the kindness and the generosity and the faithfulness of God. Let's delve into Scripture where we discover the truth of who he is. And we have a choice every day, don't we? as to whether we feed ourselves with truths that are going to build our trust in God and who he is in his dependability and his faithfulness that grows that trust that is an antidote to troubled hearts and anxiety and fear. Or, as so many of us do, myself included, we can jump on the news and social media and see what's going on and find out, you know, just reading the news this week, numerous articles... About the fear of World War 3 We've got numerous um, military leaders in our country, current and retired, who are talking about bringing back conscription. We hear about uh, all that's going on in Palestine, Israel, and in the Gulf... We talk here about food prices potentially going up again because those issues, China wanting to invade Taiwan, not to mention what's going on in Ukraine, not to mention the challenges in our schools and our economy, and it's a year when we have so many elections taking place around the world. The world is a really uncertain place. And we can spend our days filling ourselves with things that create fear, that create anxiety. We look on social media and we can feel that we're never good enough. We haven't got enough. Everyone else has got a better life. Or we can choose to found ourselves on the truth. Discover what God says about what is eternally true and never shifts and change. Spend time with him, discovering how good and faithful he is. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that we never look at the news or we never go on social media. But what is the balance? What is the balance in terms of the amount of our time? What is the balance in terms of where we're feeding ourselves from? Are we feeding ourselves from a place that is going deeper trust and deeper faith and deeper security? Or are we going to feed ourselves with things that come in all over the place, left, right and center, opening up our phones the moment we wake up? to look at some of the worst things that are going on in the world that we have no control over. And one of the greatest things that brings anxiety is when we feel out of control. So we look at the news, we cannot influence the vast majority of things that happen and yet it increases fear. So let's think about where it is that we get our source of life from. At the end of this section, Jesus finishes by saying, I tell you the truth, Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to the Father. Jesus going away, which is such a blow to the disciples, actually enables him to send the Holy Spirit. 10 days after he goes back to heaven, Jesus rises from the dead, 40 days later he ascends to heaven, 10 days later we have Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes and it fills the disciples and the followers of Jesus with power. It transforms them. The Holy Spirit will come and empower them to do the things that they feel utterly incapable of. It's the Holy Spirit, as we hear next week from Flora, as we discover more, and the next passage talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and fill them. And he will lead them into all truth and give them the power to walk in a new level of freedom. Following Jesus, increasingly bold, courageous, able to conquer fear. So how do we find peace for troubled hearts? For us this morning, if you find yourself in that place. Well, if we work the passage backwards, we'll see that Jesus is teaching. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He talks about, about the Holy Spirit being the comforter. The Holy Spirit who will come and fill us and lives in us, leads us into truth, shows us the Father. Firstly. Two, let's look deeply into Scripture, let it fill our lives, and let's prioritize time with Him in prayer. That we will be discovering about Him and drawing near to Him. Thirdly, as we do, we will discover truth. And life that is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And then fourthly, as we trust him, we can be confident that one day, our ultimate destination, everything will be okay because we will be with him forever. And that is the whole point of everything he's about to go through. That he will break the barrier of sin and death. That he will reconcile man with God so that we can be with him. Why? Why would he want to do all that? Because he loved his disciples so deeply that he wants them to be with him wherever he is forever This isn't some benevolent, detached, kind God who goes, yeah, I feel sorry for them, so I'll make a place for them in heaven. This is a God who loves each one of us so deeply and so profoundly that his greatest desire is that we would be with him forever, that you would be with him forever, that I would be with him forever. Because as we sung in the song, he didn't want heaven without us. He wants us with him. That is his love and his passion. He loves you and me so deeply that he wants us to always be with him. So as we are filled with the Holy Spirit afresh or for the first time, as we seek his truth revealed in scripture, as we grow in trust, we discover life and freedom from fear and from troubled hearts. In the words of Jesus in Luke, maybe close your eyes. I just want to speak these words of Jesus over us. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid, little flock. Father, we are so grateful. For your deep, deep love. That banner that Ben talked about, that the scriptures tell us of. That your banner over us is love, love, love. Lord, you don't tell us from afar or as someone who has never experienced a troubled heart, just say, Stop, don't be troubled. But you come alongside and say, Don't be troubled. It's okay, I've got this, I've got you, and I'm never going to let you go. And as we respond this morning, Father, we just ask, Lord, for any of us here who fear, feel fear and anxiety, who would have troubled hearts, that you would minister to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Come and fill us and bring us the peace that you promise the peace that is beyond understanding. It's a peace that is possible and available when all the day-to-day circumstances of life would otherwise dictate that we can't have peace. That your peace is available in the middle of the storm, in the greatest place of challenge. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill us? And would you lead us into that place of peace and trust? Amen.